When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Good morning and welcome to Garibaldi Red, the Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis and we're here to review Forest Nil, Swansea 1, the latest, um, well, pretty depressing defeat, I suppose, after the international break. I'm joined by Reds fans Pete Blackburn and Elliot Tolbert. Good morning, chaps. How are you? Hi, yeah. Very well, thank you. Good, good morning. Good. Yeah, not too bad. Not too Thank bad. you for joining me the morning after the 12 o'clock kickoff before. Um, so, uh, Pete, do you want to start with just, I mean, what did you make of the game overall? What, did Forrest get what they deserved, do you think? Um, possibly not, potentially. I, I, I can, there's a pattern, isn't there? I, I think it's a very much a we've been here before sort of game. Um, I thought we started very well. Uh, when I say very well, I mean very well for given how we've been playing. We looked relatively confident with the ball. We were pressing. We were tempo is really good, and it, it's been that way a few times where the game started and it looks like we're potentially a, a decent side with a bit of confidence. Um, but ultimately, we don't really create anything that is a sort of dead cert chance. So we need a little bit of luck for something to go in, a deflected shot, or it to fall nicely for Taylor in the box, or something along those lines. That luck doesn't come again. Um, and especially with that knockout chance. And then as soon as we concede, you just see all of the life fall out of this team. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing every time. I, I think the reasons for that are pretty understandable, I guess. And every time it happens, I think that's going to roll over and compound, really. Um, ultimately, I don't know if we, we did deserve to lose necessarily, because I don't think they created an awful lot. And I think we were relatively comfortable most of the time. Ultimately, it was silly mistakes that cost us at the back and just like it's not quite creating the killer chance or for some or something falling for us at the other end. Mm. I mean, did you think as soon as the goal went in earlier that that was it? Could you, as it got to the stage where you think as soon as Forrest concede first, they're going to lose or not? It, yeah. And I, and I think that that first goal was so preventable. I think there were a lot of fingers pointed at Amiobi. I was more disappointed by, again, a mistake by Figueredo where he, he just needs to play it back to the goalkeeper and he blasts it out of play and that puts puts us back under pressure and puts us in that position. Not that I like to point fingers, but uh, there are a few players that probably need a bit of a, a rest out of the firing line, I think, and he's one of them. Mm-hmm. But I did feel, although I thought Swansea were pretty average, it did feel as if they could just, if they wanted to, and I don't think they needed to, just crank it up again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did it feel like um, Swansea were a bit like Forest were a year ago? Because someone said to me on Twitter, for Swansea were poor, but that was the kind of performance we raved about from Forest mm-hmm. a year ago, where you actually managed the game at 1-0. I mean, do you think Swansea are actually a decent side overall? Yeah, I think I think they probably are. Um, I mean, certainly the, the stats look good for them. Um, you can see that they're they're just performing sort of close to the the top of their games. They they manage the game really well. They've got a system that the players clearly know very well. I think they're a, they're a side that you have to admire because I actually don't think that they're full of outstanding talent, outstandingly talented players. They clearly have some very good footballers. I think particularly Grimes and Ayu are very good players. But the rest of them, I'd say, are 
they're, they're decent championship players, but they're just performing more than some of their parts. And ultimately, that's what you, you ask for. They're well coached. They do all of the things that Forest don't do. They don't sign hundreds of players every every summer. They evolve slowly. They keep building on what they have. They sell a player like Rodon and they replace from within or have another loan deal. And they just clearly have a good structure and a good way of doing things. Um, but yeah, on the pitch, I thought I thought they were they were a good side, and certainly it's quite possible that they had gears to go up into. Um, but ultimately, we didn't didn't see, didn't need to see those, so it's sort of hard to make that judgment, I suppose. Yeah, um, we're streaming on Facebook as ever. There's a lot of people watching. Don't get nervous, chaps. Um, so if anyone wants to comment, then do drop some in and we'll uh, have a chat about what people bring up potentially. Elliot, you mentioned there about Figueredo not leathering it, in, well, not leathering it into stands when he should have, you know, sent it back. Do you think there might be a few clouded minds out there now with confidence low and this is what can seep into players' games when you are losing pretty repeatedly? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm... As Pete probably knows, I, I'm not his biggest fan. However, I, I, I've reflected and I do sort, sort of feel quite sorry for him. Um, it also probably isn't a great reflection on what else is there because, I mean, Loic Mbe, so he's hit, I don't know, he's played a couple of games this season. Um, it feels like it's worth bringing him in. Um, you don't know what's going on in the players' heads and stuff, but yeah, there's certainly the likes of Toby and, and probably a few others. I wouldn't even say, for instance, I mean, Ribeiro, who I'm one of his biggest fans, I don't think he, he's somebody that seems to lack a bit of that confidence as well. But it's across the board, I think. Um, Arta couldn't seem to pass the ball yesterday. Um, and it was just, we now, comparison to talking about Swansea and the fact that comparing them to us last season, they very much look like a team and a cohesive unit. We just, but as we have done, we've lost one player, replace it with about four players, whether as they, you know, their their business has been done very well. We just look like a bit of a team of strangers. It's an obvious thing to say, but it just lo- does look like that. And Hewton's got a big task, I think. Uh, just looking at the, the instance in the game, I mean, you talked about the goal. Do you, where do you, Pete, do you blame Amiobi a lot for that? Is that laziness, a lack of desire, or is it, I don't know, just bad body shape? Or what went wrong, do you think? Yeah, I think it's probably a bit of a combination of all of the above. And and what you talk about with that sort of general sense of malaise and lack of confidence and perhaps just in the key moments, you're not as sharp as you would like to be. I don't. I mean, I don't think that Amiobi really is, it would be a justified criticism to, to say that he's, he's lazy. Um, it did look lazy, no doubt. Um, and he does have that sort of general appearance of being quite a languid footballer, but he puts in an awful lot of work for the team. And I guess ultimately it's just not really his job. He's not really very good at that. Um, clearly it was a poor moment from him. But as Elliot mentioned, perhaps we shouldn't have been in that position anyway. Um, there's an awful lot of moments so far this season where someone makes a cataclysmic error in the box like that. And it just seems to happen most games where, whether it's a Amiobi or it's Cyrus Christie or Figueredo, somebody just lets a man run past them or just misses the ball. And it's really sort of basic stuff. So I think judging that one that one mistake probably is probably is a mistake because clearly there's wider issues here. Um, and I think you have to you have to look at the mindset of the players, the confidence. They just look shattered. And I think you you mentioned about Figueredo and his. Whether there was a sort of issue with his um, his mindset and such like, but given that it, I mean he has he's obviously notoriously a bit of a hothead at times, but given that you look at players like Lolly, for example, who usually are sort of the the absolute par for 
um, excellence in, in the sort of mindset you expect him to be running all game, making decent decisions, all that sort of stuff. He just looks like a shadow of the player. And there may be there is wider issues with him, but I think it applies to most of the players at the club. Um, you saw the end of the game, just to go on that confidence thing, the end of that game yesterday, it was it had similar reaction to that Stoke game last season. They were all on their knees, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Like it just, it, it was, you know, that body language is is not good. You know, we're still really early on in the season. There should be, you know, but I, yeah, I thought that was really quite eye-opening when I saw the reactions of the players at the end of that game. And it, they put a shift in, but yeah, I, it's it's not great to see. I put a stat on Twitter yesterday about Forest's record over the calendar year being the fifth worst in the league, 42 points from 36 games. It's kind of a long-term rot, isn't it, that's that's set in now. It goes pre-Hewton. In a sense, it probably goes pre-Lamucci as well. I mean, do you feel that that's kind of a big shadow over the club at the moment? It's going to take a lot to, to break, really. Do you want to, Pete, do you want to take that one? Yeah, I definitely think it is. Um, I think ultimately a lot of these things are the result, the result of the leadership at the football club. Um, we've seen issues like these before. Um, and I think you can, if you're going to put your finger on it somewhere, uh, given we've got different players and a different manager and all that sort of thing, I think you have to lay the blame at the at the football club, the leadership of the football club, the, the culture around the place. It does not sound like a, a healthy working environment, both on and off the pitch. Um and recruitment, I guess, is the first and foremost issue as well. These things, they seep through into the way the football club does things and, and the way they perform on the pitch. And like you say, that, that hangover from uh, from the sort of the fall under Lemurchie's Le the second half of last season, I just don't know how you get rid of it. And I think it's clearly even more of a big deal than I'd sort of anticipated or expected it to be. I thought that you'd be able to see it away with a few lucky wins and, you know, like that Blackburn win where we just get that goal that we don't really deserve. But you think maybe that just gives them the sort of life again. And uh, But it, it doesn't seem to be the case. Um, I'm not too sure how you go about that. And I'm slightly concerned that the way we will go about that is lose quite a few games now and then uh, go and spend some money on... 30-year-olds in January um, and make the same mistakes again. Are you equally apprehensive about upcoming games, Elliot, when you look at who they're against? You know, Watford, Norwich, uh, Brentford, Reading, and Tony Pulis's Sheffield Wednesdays. It, well, every game, we say this a lot on this podcast, every game looks daunting when you're down in the bottom of the league, but it looks particularly daunting at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, just sort of thankful that the, at least the next three, uh, they're on Sky and I don't have to pay a, an extra fee for them. But um, yeah, uh, daunting is definitely the word I would use. We we definitely need some luck against those sides because of the quality that we're going to be up against. And yeah, I'm 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 not I'm not looking forward to it. Let's let's put it that way. But yeah, I think the problems run far far deeper as we well know but it just seems like we're going to go on that and that you know Hune will be given that opportunity in January to 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 change the side and uh, yeah to, just to, sorry. sorry just to, to bring a bit of positivity though I suppose those games I, I assume none of us are expecting um, anything much from those games. So if they're, I mean, I don't know if uh, Lyle Taylor and the lads are watching this they're probably not but if they are there's no pressure on you so I think Ultimately, we can take something from that. I don't think 
we're no we're nowhere near the end of the season, so the, the pressure of the relegation dogfight isn't there yet. We don't really need to hype it up that it is. Um, we're not expecting a great deal from these games. I think they can go out and, and try and play without that overwhelming weight of pressure that they're clearly feeling. And hopefully something falls for us and we get those games where we play a Watford on is, is Wednesday, I think, um, and we just see the game out and we get a bit of luck and that knockout shot that we had... Um, at the weekend, that doesn't go straight at the keeper and it just falls in or it takes a deflection and we see it out and then uh, and hopefully we can sort of turn things around. There's, there's got to be some hope there. Um, talking of you know, rays of hope and positives, I suppose Will Swan coming on, another player off the production line. What, what did you make of him, Elliot? Did you see you know anything decent there? It's definitely one of the few positives. I think that that run down the uh, down the line to to the corner flag was 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 one of the highlights of that quite poor second. Half because as Pete said, I think we were we started off really well. Um, but yeah, it was it was good to see it was good to see Hewton make another change as well um, because you know we've been we we haven't been changing much. I think he probably could have changed even more. But uh, Swan was certainly a positive. It's good to see somebody else come into the side that's come out of the academy. Um, so yeah, perhaps perhaps he gets more game time against Watford. Who knows? Um, I certainly think that there should there will be some changes for that game. Um, whether he comes in or not, I don't know. We drive a Mighton coming in and maybe just giving the fearlessness of youth a, a go. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I think there's a case for it, um, but I think knowing what we know about Chris Hewton, I would expect that he's more likely to turn to experienced heads like Harry Arter and Sam Basso and just try and do a job on them. That's very much his sort of modus operandi, I think. You mentioned Sow there. I think. I mean, has he been a huge miss? He's, you know, they did. I mean, commentary on Wickham aren't the greatest teams in the league, but he did feature in those games and they did win them. And there is this ongoing stat about his win ratio when he's in the team. I mean, he, you think he is a big miss, Elliot? I think he is. Yeah, but there, there, there was never a guarantee of his fitness, was there? And I don't think there ever will be. You know, he'll, he'll play one game and miss miss three. So, um, although he is a bit a bit wild and a bit unpredictable at times. I, I certainly think our midfield is, is better and probably feared by other sides as well when, when he's in the, in the team, you know, with, with Colback and Yates, although I think Yates has been, uh, has been largely excellent so far this season, one of the few positives that we've got. Um, and I think Colback's a good player, but just, just something doesn't work there uh, in that, in that midfield. So when Sal comes in, it's, 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 he makes a big difference because he's just a totally different player. I think. I think it was was it Lyle Taylor in his podcast who's calling him a destroyer, and the stuff that he does in training is just going for balls and going for tackles that you would never expect. And more often than not, they do come up to they, they do come off. But um, yeah, I think we do miss him, or we miss a, a type of player like him. So I, I don't know whether someone like a Cafu is a similar player. I'm not sure because we haven't seen enough of him. Um, but that physical presence in midfield might might make a bit of a difference. Uh, we had on this podcast last week, Sean O'Driscoll, and he uh, talked talks about a lot of things, but one of the things he talked about was that the Bournemouth game in terms of um, Bournemouth expecting to win, Forest hoping to win. And I, that stuck with me a bit because I think it's actually, it's bang on really. Do you, do you think he's got a good point there, Pete? Absolutely. Yeah. I thought it was a great interview. Yeah. He, it's, no worries. Um, I, th- I think it's amazing what, uh, how simple a thing someone like Sean O'Driscoll can say. And perhaps because there's, I mean, I personally feel a sort of a bit of personal hype about Sean O'Driscoll. I've always had a lot of affection for him. And mm-hmm. I always think what, what if had um, that horrible boxing day not happened? Um, 
but yeah, I thought he had a he had a great point, and as you say, it's, it has really stuck with me since. Um, and it it does it does show you, and I think it shows in those moments where something goes wrong, it all saps out of us, and there's no sense that we could come back and 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 nick that game. You sort of know watching it that you're going to spend sixty minutes or however long watching them you know try and they're not it's not that they're not trying at all but ultimately just labor and not really get anywhere um and i think that is all part of that confidence and that general sort of sense of malaise and and uh whatever the hangover from last year is um those things are all sort of marrying together and yeah i think sean's totally right about that i think i i said to you p i said that at half time that i sort of wanted to fast forward it but it almost felt like a sense of the players wanted it to just maybe end as well uh, at times, but yeah. There's a comment here from Yvonne Wilson about would rather grind out nil nil draws, um, don't need pretty football, just results. I mean, how do you think, how would you like to see Hewton go about this Watford game? Because he's in a bit of a tough bind, isn't he? If he goes and all out attack against a team like Watford with Saar and, you know, Gray and whoever else starts, they've got an embarrassment of riches, they could get blown out of the water. But then if they go and play for a nil nil, they could be. It could be just like the, the Swansea game. They could fall behind, and then it's game over. I mean, he, how would you like to see Forrest go about it, Pete? Uh, to be honest, I don't think he's got much choice. I don't think that the the, the playing staff we have available, certainly with the levels of confidence and form they have, can be expected to go out there and produce some sort of swashbuckling performance and um, send what for packing. They're a seriously good side. They've got absolutely no right to be playing against us at this level. It's just. It's, un- it's unreasonable, the footballers that are going to be playing against us. Um, and it just shows what a sort of financial mess football is now. But I don't think Hewton's got much choice. I think he will have to try and bring in... Well, I mean, I think he'll be desperate for Sal to be fit. Um, so if, he, if, if, he, if he's fit enough to play those probably first 60 minutes or so, as he often does, he'll be straight in alongside Yates, I would have thought. Um, possibly Arta as well. Um, really, really pack the midfield, get as compact as you possibly can. Um, get bodies in front of the ball when uh, players like Sarah are running at you and just hope it doesn't fall for them. Um, and if we can nick something through a, uh, a player like Lyle Taylor, who just it feels like he's got the capacity to steal a goal in any game to me, um, then so be it. But I think you'd, you'd massively take a hard-fought nil-nil now. Um, and, and to be honest, I think the players should take an awful lot of confidence from that if they can, if they can achieve something along those lines. Mm, mm, for sure. There's... Um... Obviously, a pressing case for getting Joe Worrell in the team. They've missed him a lot. Is this one too soon off the back of five days training or whatever it is, Elliot? Would you, is it too much of a gamble? And do you give Figueredo another go or do you return to Emberso for what could be one game? And that's a big, you know, a strange ask of a young player. I mean, who would you like to see at the back in this game? I don't know whether he, if, if he maybe does one or two things. I think he's most likely to maybe bring in an extra midfielder. Um, but, um, he could, I mean, heaven forbid, you know, he might play five at the back, might bring it, well, or three central defenders at the back to bring in someone alongside Figueiredo just to support. Yeah. Um, have McKenna on the left-hand side, um, whether that's so or not. I think it probably is too early for Worrell. I think he was aiming for the Reading game as, as, a, as a comeback for him. I think we miss him uh, a, a lot. I think him and, him and McKenna could forge a potentially very good partnership in the future, but that's not now. Um I just I do think regardless I think Figueroa needs taking out for his own sanity more than anything. Um, uh, so if that's so that comes in, or even Dawson if he's if he's fit, I know he's been back in training, or, or maybe Blackett. I don't know, but um, 
I, I think either way he needs he needs to be taken out of the firing line. So, um, but I think I would get I would say so probably would be the fittest of the bunch. And yeah, ultimately this is where Chris Hutton earns his money, isn't it? Because he, he's sort of well fabled as being a very good man manager. I don't think he's. Um, I mean, certainly that's the type of coach he is. He knows players, and I think he knows how to look after them. You see that from the way that Anthony Knockout is so desperate to come and play for him again. Um, I think it might be a massive mistake to take Figueroa out of the team for this game, to be honest, as much as I don't want him really to be playing, given the way he's playing. Is it really realistic to say to a young lad who's come from France and hasn't played much football, right, you're going to go and play against this un- unreasonably good football team now with, you know, not an awful lot of uh, cohesion with your teammates having not played in a run of games. Uh, I think it's probably almost definitely unreasonable for Warrell to play unless he's an awful lot fitter than we're led to believe. I just, I, th- I think it's a difficult position to be in. I'm not sure you can really take Figueroa out at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Booth asks what's happened to Black. He's been injured, Aaron, for, well, since Hewton's first day, basically, but I think he's back in training now. Mm-hmm. Let's just turn the clock forwards a little bit then to, to January and what you'd like to see uh, happen. I mean, there's a lot of things Forrest could do in terms of reshaping the team. What what would you actually like them to do, Pete? I'd almost like them to do nothing, um, but I don't know if that's really a reasonable answer because uh, clearly there are problems in the team. But I, I'd sort of, I'd like us not to turn to the transfer window as the way to solve our problems every time. Um, so that's sort of my long-term answer, I guess. In the short term, there are clearly areas in the squad that are problematic. I think um, out wide we've got issues because all of our players who are wingers all want to be in that exact same position, cutting off the right wing um, and, and hitting shots. Uh, that sort of inside forward role. I think Lolly and Knockart both look pretty neutered as soon as they move away from that role. Um, so there's an argument that perhaps your your biggest areas of potential change are someone coming off the left, if I'm the form, I think great, or the number 10 who can knit things together. I'm, I mean, I'm really hoping that Luke Freeman is that player. He's got absolutely huge class at this level. Um, and I think it's pretty unreasonable to judge a footballer for, um, you know, not having a, a great series of games playing number 10 for a football team that doesn't do anything with the ball. Um so I, I sort of hope he could be a bit of an answer to that. Otherwise, I mean, realistically, I just don't know how you strengthen this this team without spending an awful lot of money or signing players that other team other football teams don't want. And the reason they don't want them is because they're on expensive wages and they're getting old and they haven't got resale value and that sort of thing. If we're going to do business in January and in the summer, then I'd like us to do the sort of business that I've been saying we should do for a while, and that is signing younger players of the sort of age bracket, say 21 to 23, who are starting to perform at championship level and look like they are good investments for the future. There's loads of these players at clubs like Millwall and Preston and Blackburn. Um, and that's how you invest in in your squad. You get players who are showing they can do it at your level, you improve them, and then you move them on if, if, if needs be, or they take you up with them. Um, and we just don't do that. And we didn't do that in the summer, and we're going to end up with an awful mess on our hands when all these players are getting older again at the end of the year and perhaps we're either go, you know going down to League One or we're facing another season in the Championship where you know it's another sort of gung-ho approach of try and get promotion one last time hmm. so that's, that's how I'd, I'd see it nothing or sensible younger recruitment ideally perhaps perhaps big, big loans to try and sort you out in the, in the, in the short term but I'm just not sure it's really a, a medium or long term solution 
Same question, Elliot. I'll give you a free hit at it. What would you like to see them do in January? Probably not a lot. I think a lot of it depends on... It'd be interesting to see what happens with Graben, um, whether he either still wants to potentially leave or whether Lamushi comes in from or somebody else. And I sort of think, obviously, maybe Forrest would maybe... You know, somebody that's probably one of the highest earners that the football club would maybe want to get rid of, and that would mean we'd need a striker. Again, that will cost probably a lot of money. So, um, and whether we'd look abroad and whether we'd look lower lower down the table or League One or, or Championship, I don't know. So, yeah, not a lot. I think that's probably one of the things. Again, I, I the support for Luke Freem, I think Luke Freem is injured at the moment, but there's got to be a way of finding, you know, to get him into the side. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would sooner rather us probably get a few out of the door um, than than bring than bring players in because there surely is enough there for Hutton to work with and get get some results out of that team. But I'd be surprised if something doesn't happen with Graben. Mm. Um, I don't really admit, obviously, because he he's, he was exceptional last season. Yeah, if Graben goes, they have to sign someone. I think maybe like Pete says, a loan yeah. signing or someone. Yeah. I don't know, like Villa did with Tammy Abraham a few years ago, that kind of thing, and Swansea yeah. did with Brewster. But I don't know if that's realistic when you're bottom of the league. Um, <laughs> last question then, um, a big picture question. Where would you realistically like Forrest to be in a year? Because 2020 has been pretty terrible. What, what would you like to see 2021 realistically be, Pete? Um I'd like to see a recognition from the leadership of the football club that they've made a lot of mistakes, that they came in with uh, an outlined intentions that spoke to Forest fans. Um, that open letter from Nicholas Randall, it, it spoke of a future that we couldn't have envisaged under the previous leadership of this football club. But a lot of the things that he wrote have not come to fruition. And ultimately... I, as a football fan, want to see a club that I can identify with because it has good values and because it is a a team of players who are more than the sum of their parts. Um, I don't think it's asking an awful lot. So I suppose what I'd like to see in that sort of year period is a recognition that change is required in the way they go about doing things. So Mm -hmm. he's moved quite a lot of players off the books and take the financial hit again, if that's the only way to do it. And then we need to have a very, very significant reversal in recruitment strategy. We go into a summer next year looking to bring down the average age of the squad and add three or four players at the most of genuine quality, players who maybe will cost you a couple of million pounds each, but ultimately will cost you an awful lot less than all of those 14 footballers who you're paying exorbitant wages to um, and who have no resale value um, and such like. So I think that's what I'd like to see. I'm not, I'm at, it might sound a bit odd, but my primary concern currently isn't an immediate promotion bid or great success. I just want to see the football club behave in a manner that I think is dignified and start to put something together that I think is the beginning of a journey, the sort of building blocks of a of a story we can all buy into um, and one that ultimately, if it takes us somewhere, it is a foundation. I don't think what we have now, even if this season had gone totally differently and we'd lucked out and all of these 14 new players have brought us wins, I don't know where that leaves us and we go up because we still need you know, half half a new team and loads of the players are far too old and all that sort of thing. So that that's how I'd like to see see things done. But I mean, it would require a significant change of uh, of attitude and probably the owners and the hierarchy admitting some mistakes have been made. And Elliot, you can finish us off by giving your your vision for the next 12 months. I, I mean, I echo what Pete says. It'd just be nice to see some of the things that we've 
almost been promised come to fruition and whether that's even work starting on the the stadium redevelopment it's hopefully still having Chris Hute and his manager in 12 months time with a, a team that that he's built um if that's in the championship if that's in the premier league I, 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 like Pete, I, 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 the, this, the premier league scares me quite a bit um and um so sort of maybe thankful that we're quite far away from it anyway but um because i think if we'd gone up last season we would have, we would have struggled but yeah just um a trim down squad again blended with that youth and hopefully hanging on to some of our youth team players as well Ryan Yates maybe as captain um it's just the simple things and actually wanting to go and be able to hopefully if we're able to watch football at city ground wanting to go and watch football there um would be nice as well I was going to say, do you want to plug your Twitter feed? You have to say Yates as captain. You might not want to. You get some feedback if you say Yates for captain. Right. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me. And thanks to everyone who watched along at 9am on a Monday. It's good to see so many people joining in. Um, We've got over 500 YouTube subscribers now, which doesn't sound like a big number, but it's good. So um, do subscribe on YouTube. And give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts if you can. We've had a lot of good feedback for recent podcasts, so we appreciate that. Um, Pete, Elliot, uh, yeah, thanks again. I know it's a big ask to get you on a Monday morning when you've got work, so we do appreciate it and hope you enjoyed it. And we shall be back on Thursday with Sarah Clapson and David Jackson from Radio Nottingham to talk about the Watford game, which hopefully is a bit of a more cheerful conversation, but we'll wait and see. So mm. thanks, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah.